more or less think that because I'm saved, I'm all right. You know, there's not a whole lot else that I have to do. They fail to realize that in becoming a Christian, once you are saved, that's just the beginning of the story. Then the sanctification process takes off and it's a lifelong endeavor. Dog ate my it. homework. <laughs> you don't have a dog. Your cat, well, cat ate my your cat homework. Ate it. Welcome to a word of grace, uh, Derek. This is our one hundredth episode. That kind of blows my mind a little bit. Yeah, we were talking this morning about what's happening at church and how you and I are stretched, uh, doing a lot of different things, and how, I mean, we're thinking about potentially ending this. Uh, mm-hmm. this summer, um, and maybe doing it from time to time, or if the Lord changes our minds, continuing it. But we've, we've been able to do a hundred discussions on spiritual topics. Uh, it's kind of gone by in a blur. Does anything stand out to you? After 100 episodes, is there anything that jumps to the top of your mind as far as an insight or a learning that you had? Uh, one of my favorite books was the uh, book by uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, Spiritual Depression, and uh, it caused me to, to look at myself a lot more. I don't know if that's a good thing or not, <laughs> but uh, it, it, it helped me to put in perspective, uh, you know, the things that I concern myself with or that I'm worried about and how... Uh, looking at it properly from the perspective of the Word of God, that things can be a whole lot different in my life. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, it, if the numbers spike on our listening, we, we have, you know, 20, 25 people listening to our discussions, which is kind of surprising that that many people uh, are interested in hearing what we have to say. But we we wanted all along for this to be an encouragement to people, Um I thought about going back over the last 99 episodes and taking clips of your various <laughs> profound statements and putting them together for yes. us. You know, they always have these retro, retrospective shows mm-hmm. or whatever, but um, people can go back and listen to that stuff. I think Spiritual Depression was helpful. Um, this book is helpful. We're, we're on Disciplines of Grace. We're, st- we're not quitting today by any means. Um, we'll get through this book and maybe take a summer break and then revisit and see where we're at, but... This book, Discipline of Grace, you were mentioning at breakfast today uh, about Jerry Bridges. Um, You've read, of course, we've mentioned several several of his books, books and Mm -hmm. just has a way of of writing things, doesn't Mm -hmm. he? Yes, he does, Uh, and very practical. Yeah. You know, uh, of course, uh, a lot of the issues that we've dealt with have been very theological and maybe uh, causes us to stretch our, our, our brains a little bit, but it's good when you can get those uh, meat and potatoes type of uh, uh, responses or, or things that we read from these different books that we can actually apply to our lives. Yeah, that's something that was even uh, written in this book about sometimes, I don't, we'll get to it, but sometimes there's like a theological, uh, he called it the theological fine print. Mm-hmm. Like, is it really important for us to discuss these things? But he makes applications 
through these theological statements that are that are really practical. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, how can you expect to live more for Christ without understanding theology? Right. That's right. we've we've it's always true. So I mean, there has to be that marriage. And I think uh, one thing I appreciate about appreciate about Bridges is he always has a way of making it personal. And I realize that the majority of his illustrations come from his own life. Um, well, we're, we're, we're into chapter four today on the book, The Discipline of Grace, and I, I, reading it this week, I, I, I thought there was enough in there for two, two discussions, mm-hmm. or maybe just one long discussion. Um, maybe, maybe by the time we finish discussing, there won't be, and we'll have to move on, but uh, I, I thought the discussion was a lot of what you had talked about in the mortification of sin in our mm-hmm. Sunday school series. You just did that, what, this winter? About, yeah, yeah. it was during the winter months. Um, what were some takeaways from that study that you did? on the, and, and did you tie anything into this chapter as far as mortifying ourselves to sin? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, he even quotes John Owen, yeah. who I think is the resident expert on the issue of mortifying the deeds of the, of the flesh. Uh, and... I ended up with a very deep appreciation for what it meant, what it means to die to sin. And he mentioned um, two things in particular uh, about this: the fact that he talked about dying, first of all, to the penal aspect of uh, of what our sin warrants. But he goes on to mention how uh, within our union within uh, with Christ allows us to die to sin in the sense that we're no longer dominated by it. And I, I think that in each of the books that we've dealt with, basically, this, this theme seems to come up over and over again. I was going to mention that, too, that there seems to be a lot of overlap with this book and the whole Christ. Right. There's a lot of overlap between this book and uh, John Murray's book, Redemption, mm-hmm. Accomplished, and Applied. That's what we started with back in the fall. Um, Even with John Piper's book. Piper's book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's, it always seems to come down to the same things. Mm-hmm. Backing up just a bit before we get into those terms that you just mentioned about our dying to sin, um, what about modern day Christianity's understanding of salvation is detrimental to their spiritual growth? So, well, I, go ahead. You already, I was going to ask right, it again just to give you time to think, uh, but yeah, you're ready to go. Right off Jump the bat, I would, I would say just the, having the mentality of salvation being fire insurance mm-hmm. as opposed to there being a lot more involved in it. And because it's only fire insurance in some people's minds, then they just have these uh, simple ways of explaining salvation and, uh, and uh, obtaining salvation. Mm-hmm. Just believe in Jesus Christ because he has a good plan for your life and, you, and you're fine. Just say, I believe, and you're saved. Uh, and yet there's just so much more to it than that. Yeah. You know, I've read a lot of the Puritans. Um, I don't know how much you have a knowledge of Christian history. In fact, mm-hmm. I joked, uh, I joked a couple, I don't know, a little while ago on the on the podcast about starting another podcast uh, because I wanted to study church history more in depth. Mm-hmm. But I think the last hundred years of Christian history have been unhelpful to the church yes. in the way the gospel has been presented in the mm-hmm. way you just described. Mm-hmm. 
in fundamental churches and even evangelical circles, the gospel has been preached as a means to escape hell, primarily. Yes, yes. Especially with, it's either been preached that way or, um, or the other way that you mentioned, as far as, uh, you know, come to come to Christ and and all your problems will go away. Right. Or, mm-hmm. uh, hey, just believe, and He has a wonderful plan for your life. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this mm-hmm. is the. 1950s and 60s version of the gospel is mm-hmm. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, like, well, well, let's let's talk to the martyrs of Christian history right. about that. Mm-hmm. So the re- the reality of the way the gospel has been preached is that Christ came to save us from hell. That's the yes. way the gospel has mm-hmm. been preached. Mm-hmm. Should it be preached that way? That, to me, that's actually secondary. Right. Uh, the fact that he uh, delivers us from hell. I, I like how um, uh, Bridges summarized the gospel at the, at the initial portion of this fourth chapter. He says, Jesus lived a sin-free life. Jesus died a sacrificial death. We are declared not guilty, and we are declared righteous. Now, a whole lot can be said in that, but the fact of the matter is, is the gospel contains the story of a Savior who came, first of all, to satisfy the wrath of a holy God. And he did that by living a circumspect life, after which he gave himself as a sacrifice, a substitute for our sins. And I think that when we just gloss over all of that, we give people an anemic view of what their spiritual state is, prior to salvation. Mm-hmm. You are sinful, you have sinned, and you've offended a holy God. So how does thinking, how is thinking that way detrimental to a person's sanctification? How is thinking about salvation, as you said, just as fire insurance, detrimental to a person's spiritual growth? Well, as a matter of fact, it stunts that growth. It impedes that growth. Okay, why? Because of the fact that they, they more or less think that because I'm saved, I'm all right. You know, there's not a whole lot else that I have to do. They fail to realize that in becoming a Christian, once you are saved, that's just the beginning of the story. Then the sanctification process takes off, and it's a lifelong endeavor. What needs to happen in people's thinking, then, is to stop thinking that salvation is I'm saved from hell. As you said, that's secondary, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but rather I'm saved from sin. Is, well, that, is that simple enough? Yes. Or, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, what I would say is this, and I think that, that uh, Bridges continues to drive this point home. We need to retreat back to the gospel. What does the gospel say? Yeah. And when we do that we realize that, hey, I am a sinner. I'm only made righteous by God, or I should say declared righteous through justification by faith. But that by no means means that God has taken sin away from me. Therefore, that sin has to be removed on a daily basis through the sanctification process. Yeah. The person who thinks that salvation is simply saving them from hell, and as we've talked about, this has been the last 80, 90 years of Christian history, especially in America, who walks the dusty trail with Billy Sunday or uh, mm-hmm. has gone forward at a Billy Graham meeting um, or has repeated 
in the quiet basement of a church after a pastor says, repeat after me, Mm. congratulations, you're born again, you're on your way to heaven. That person who thinks Christ has saved me from hell is, you said, is going to be impeded or stunted in their spiritual growth Mm -hmm. because they haven't really reckoned with sin. Sin, right. And we, we kind of we kind of can dangle heaven in front of people mm-hmm. as a carrot for them to do whatever it is we want them to do. Right. And, and it might not only just stunt their spiritual growth, it might even lead to some sort of false conversion sure. when they sure. don't truly understand their sin. Absolutely. So you jumped, you hurtled ahead of me a little bit when you said earlier, which was fine, um, about him saving us from sin. And so... He saves us from the penalty of sin, which, mm-hmm. of course, is separation and ultimately hell. Right. He does save us from that. I mean, yes, he does. I don't want to minimize that. And we shouldn't. Because I'm it. very, very thankful mm-hmm. that I've been saved from hell. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I think about that as the primary aspect of my salvation, I might spend the rest of my life just happy to be right. free right. from that punishment. But he also saves us from the dominion. So yes. these are the two aspects, right. penalty and dominion. Mm-hmm. Explain briefly, because this is what we're going to talk about, and this mm-hmm. is why I thought it'd be good to break it up into two, and mm-hmm. as I'm looking at our time, maybe three lessons. What does it mean when he says, and we'll get into this in the nitty-gritty, but gener- in general, what does it mean that he saves us from the dominion of sin? Okay, I can say this, that before we were saved, we were enslaved to sin. We had no choice but to sin. Uh, because that's what our, uh, basically our nature dictated. But as believers, we have been emancipated. And based upon that emancipation, although sin survives in us, it does not reign over us. Yeah, yeah. Awesome general explanation. I want to spend the last half of this podcast and the next explaining how that, Okay. I hate this term, flushes itself out. <laughs> you know, there's certain terms that people... Yes. I think we talked about this. I'm just going through a season. <laughs> I'm going through a season of fleshing this out. Like uh, Anyway, uh, that was our mental break for the podcast. <laughs> there was a statement at the beginning of the chapter that I'd like you to speak to as well. He, he says that we can learn through the gospel, through Christ's death for us, in saving us from that power of sin or the dominion of sin in our lives. Mm-hmm. Speak to this, Derek. It is able to give us the ability, when we think on that, to live lives that are both pleasing to God and fulfilling for ourselves. Mm-hmm. How do you react to that statement? That that a life lived this way in spiritual growth is pleasing to God and fulfilling for ourselves. Okay, well, first thing, again, we go back to the fact that salvation is more than fire insurance, but that we now have a relationship with a holy God and he requires of us a holy life. And to do that, we must go through the process of sanctification. That's, that's the first thing. Now, what was the, the second part of that? Uh, pleasing to God and fulfilling for ourselves. Okay, so we're pleasing God when we're obeying him. I was reading uh, ahead in a chapter in this book this, early this morning, and it talked about the, the, uh, how we, do we truly love God. We love him through obedience. Well, that obedience is talking about sanctification being fleshed out in our lives. 
and again, I've lost my train of thought. Was it fleshed out in a season of our lives? The second part of that. You you lost your train of thought because you said fleshed out, and you looked at me, and you said, I just said what Andy hates to hear. And now you're throwing microphones at me. What's going on here? No, here's what I wrote about that statement. I appreciate what you just said. And uh, and that corned beef hash we had for breakfast, maybe. Was Coming it back to haunt hash? me, yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever eaten. I have started burping yet. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. And that's, folks, why we're ending the podcast. Uh, the, the, the comment that it says, our lives will be pleasing to God and fulfilling for ourselves. How does the world react to that statement? Don't they say, those are contradictory things. Mm-hmm. A life pleasing to God isn't going to fulfill me. Isn't this what most people think? Mm-hmm. So, so they come forward at a service because, honestly, the preacher has scared them into thinking they're going to go to hell. Right. And I think this can right. especially happen in children and teen ministries. Yes. I've been to hundreds of mm-hmm. camp meetings where I've gone forward with kids who just got freaked out. Cause, mm-hmm. You know, worms going to mm-hmm. eat your eyeballs out and the fire is going to lick up right. your bodies for the rest mm-hmm. of your life. And you don't want that, do you? And, oh, they'll run for it. Mm-hmm. But the idea that Christ also wants to save us from the dominion of sin and give us a life that is fulfilling for us. Most of the world says, well, a life lived for Christ, that's, that handcuffs me. That keeps me from mm. fulfilling mm. and fun and pleasure. Mm. Can you speak to the fact that your life, when lived for God, is also fulfilling to you? Absolutely. One thing I think about is two words, law and grace. And, 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 and Jerry talks about it in the book that uh, most people view, believers view uh, their lives from a perspective of the law as opposed to grace. And so they base it upon performance. If I do something good, God is happy. And if I don't do good, he's unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea of the <laughs> that corned beef hash really is <laughs> making the mind a little woozy today. Uh, <laughs> I, I just I guess the point I want to make, Derek, is that when we when we enjoy Christ's uh, helping us or His death giving us that freedom from the dominion of sin, mm-hmm. and we give ourselves right. less and less to sin, yes. our lives are actually more fulfilling. Yes. Where, where here, here's, here's the person who comes forward and, and is free from hell, mm-hmm. and then you say, hey, welcome to the family of God, uh, and here are some things now mm-hmm. that God wants for you. Uh, he wants you to be active in your local church, mm-hmm. to be in prayer and study, to witness, to... Uh, defeat sin and so mm-hmm. forth to be an example, and all of a sudden the person's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" Right? Uh, that's infringing on what I want. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to have this aspect, the hell card, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure I want that commitment card. Mm-hmm. Well, salvation is inclusive of both. Right. But what I, the point I wanted to make is that's not a that's not a bad way to live. In fact, no, it it's is the fulfilling your way life. to live. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I think about the fact that uh, a lot of people are thinking in terms of uh, the hell card, as you put it. Uh, or, yeah, and, and they say, well, I have salvation, so now I'm all set. But they're cheated of the fact that they are still in their sins and they still possess their guilt. And sooner or later, that sin and that guilt 
is going to affect their lives. And of course, they're not going to have any joy. Of course, they're not going to have any happiness. But if a person understands salvation is more than fire insurance, but it is Christ relieving us of the burden of sin and also taking on the guilt that we should have received, then we can freely live a life before the Lord that's going to please him and also give us joy yeah. in our own lives. And that's the point I'm trying to make, and, and we've made it. And that's the encouragement, is, is living a life of holiness and dying to sin is, is both pleasing to God and Amen. joyful to ourselves. So the passage, as we come to the close, and I'm glad we gave ourselves the two lessons. As I said, we might need three because uh, that corned beef hash is really... Uh, <laughs> You better hurry. My thoughts are fleeting. <laughs> you know, I can honestly say I've probably never eaten corned beef hash. You have. I could say that corned beef hash is not pleasing to God and <laughs> not fulfilling to ourselves. <laughs> I don't even know what corned beef hash is. Why corned beef? What, what's the? Oh, it's what is? delightful. Yeah, but I, and what, I know you don't like me to use know, that but, term, but delightful. It, but, but let's really probe this a little bit deeper. Corned <laughs> yes. beef. I mean. Why, why? What is the term? Why corn beef? What because is it's it, there are corning spices that are used what on are those? a brisket. What are corn, corning uh, well, spices? Well, there's. Uh, let's see. I'm, oh wow, you're gonna have to make me think on that for a while. But there. You different... ate something you didn't know what oh, it was. I, I know what it is. I okay. just can't think offhand okay. what the different spices are that this uh, the brisket is allowed in some cases for weeks to marinate in. And why is it hash? Okay, it's hash because you chop it up into little okay. bitty pieces and you mix it with potatoes and onions. And oh, there you have a delight. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. You know, it's going to be hard to find a hymn title for this mess for this lesson that goes with corned beef hash. Uh, but I'll do my best. Anyway, the, let's finish with a serious okay. thing. Um, <laughs> you got to have those mental breaks, right? Yes. Romans chapter 5, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. What a joy that is to yes, know that. absolutely. But the problem that is aroused throughout Christian history is twofold, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, this is, I'm looking at the bottom of uh, 34, or rather 54. Um, a person who enjoys their sin says, hooray, uh, when I sin... Grace covers that, so I can now live my life in a way that, man, hooray, whatever I do, God will forgive. And the other person says, well, wait a minute here, wait a minute. If we, if we promote grace too much, then people are going to have that mindset. Right. And all of a sudden, we're right back in the whole Christ. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. We're right back to the legalism, mm-hmm. antinomianism, these mm-hmm. two ditches that say, uh, if God covers me in grace, I'm going to go out and live now. I'm free from hell. I'm going to live however I want. And, and the other person says, no, we got to stick to the law. So the solution to that, as we wrap this up and transition into Friday's uh, lesson, is the reason we can say this with Paul in chapter... So here's chapter 6, verse 1. After that, grace abounds. When sin abounds, grace abounds. Then mm-hmm. Paul says, he anticipates the question and the concern. So what should we say? Should we continue in sin so that grace may abound? The answer, of course, is no way. Mm-hmm. And he says, we have no problem adhering to this because the answer to the objection is bound up in the truth of the believer's union with Christ. Right. 
And here's another thing Sinclair Ferguson mentioned. In fact, Mm -hmm. he quotes Ferguson in this chapter by saying, the union with Christ is one of the most neglected but most important doctrines Mm -hmm. in all of the Bible. And I have to admit, it's not something that I have given a whole lot of thought to. It's just kind of a taken for granted. And so what we want to do is wrap up this lesson and say that next time we're going to talk about what it means to be united with Christ and how our thinking regarding the union of Christ helps us in our battle over sin. Have we, have we made enough thoughts on today? We've, we've done that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we, we, we've hit on some very important points as far as uh, the corned beef hash goes. We've hit on that. Um, but we have made made some thoughts about the fulfilling life and the, I mean, we've, we've laid the groundwork for next lesson. What's so funny? <laughs> we've laid the groundwork for next Friday's lesson regarding the union of Christ. Fair enough. All right, folks, if you've joined, if you've stayed on this long, uh, good for you. And we hope it was a blessing and encouragement. We enjoy talking about the scriptures and we'll look forward to doing that with you again, Lord willing, uh, on Friday. God bless.